Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to see all of you. Appreciated the uh, things that we've heard. The update from uh, Mobridge trip. God is good. Many um, ministries don't usually happen without some challenges, and uh, God is good in providing, helping through. All right, you can open your Bibles, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and maybe before we get started, we'll just spend a moment in prayer. Shall we pray? Our Father God, we are thankful this day again, Lord, for your blessing of grace and mercy toward us, and ask, Father, that uh, you would be with us here in this moment of time, as we have an hour before us in which we will look into your word, and Father, again, just uh, are coveting your blessing and grace. Father, open up the scriptures to us today. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Guide us, Father, as a people and as individuals. Father, rivet truths upon our hearts that can be signposts, guiding factors in the days ahead. And Father, again this morning, I... Pray that uh, your spirit would be present here and would speak through your servant, Lord. May uh, my own thoughts, my own ideas be forgotten, but may your spirit bring to mind and heart the thoughts and perspectives that you would desire to communicate to us. So, Father, we commit this time to you and just ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our lives and in this service here this morning, even as it is done in heaven, for we ask in Christ's name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. I think we'll just stop there. It does give an exhortation to fathers there. But I don't think I'm going to focus on that, since I did actually speak to fathers, I believe, in the last message that I shared. So we'll speak today uh, to all of us, actually, because we're all someone's child. And uh, I think we can, I don't think this scripture is necessarily written for the two-year-olds or the six-year-olds or even the 10 or 12 or 14, 18 or 20. I think it's actually written for the 30 and the 40 and the 50 and the 60-year-olds. There's something here for us, I believe, 
and uh, we would desire to try to mine that. You know, one of the things that we do have to uh, recognize is that it definitely wasn't written for the little ones, the ones that can't read, the ones that can't comprehend. So we have to go beyond that stage and realize that somewhere where comprehension starts happening, it's where the scripture starts applying, and uh, and then on up through, and I guess uh, we'll let... Uh, let each of you decide, or maybe after we're done, you'll try and figure out where does it end. Where does that responsibility change, or shift, or end? Or Colossians, Paul has a similar thought. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. We would, we'll look at some Old Testament scriptures in just a bit, but I'd like to... I'd like to explore this subject not from the standpoint of law, that I have to obey my parents. If we look at it from that standpoint, we will totally, or if we view it from that standpoint, we will totally miss the blessing that God has in it for us. And we want to try to look at it from the standpoint of the blessing that comes with this uh, this scripture. It says that um, it's the first commandment with promise. And then, of course, it says that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long in the earth. And I'm, I think I know all of you well enough to know that every one of you would desire to live a good, happy, long life and to have a life that is filled with many joys and blessings. I am confident that I can say that you all desire that. Uh, this is actually the, one of the few scriptures that promises you some of that. comes with a promise of a, of a blessing. <clears throat> if we heed this scripture, the blessings will come back to us. And uh, it's... Uh, it's an instruction that has built-in benefits, built in its, uh, in its, in its truth, yeah, in its commandment. <clears throat> I'd like to, uh, well, I, I'll give you the title. I titled the message today, The Value of Valuing Parents. The Value of Valuing Parents. I don't know if I have to give more de- definition to that or not, but uh, I think maybe the uh, yeah the, this first point maybe will give a little more definition to the title. I like to talk about obedience is an attitude first, as our first point here. Obedience is an attitude first. The uh, God. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, it's part of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12, says this, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's, uh, that's similar, isn't it, to what we read in the New Testament? Honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, Paul used the word 
children, obey your parents and, and then honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. In Leviticus 19, verse 1 to 3, we have a few verses that speak to this subject. And the Lord God spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, that's, that's a verse we believe. Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That scripture is also repeated in the New Testament. We believe in holiness. We believe that holiness is uh, uh, a required part of the believer's experience. Uh, the New Testament tells us without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We believe that. We're, uh, I believe, I trust, we're convinced of that. Maybe we have a little bit of a challenge at time to define what holiness is and even to agree what holiness is, but we do agree that holiness is necessary. Uh, it would be a blessing if all of God's people believed that. All that professed Christian faith would believe that. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But right along with that, ye shall be holy, for I am holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. The next verse says, ye shall fear every man his mother and his father. That's right in the context of ye shall be holy. And then he goes on and says, and keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. So, in that context, and this was an Old Testament context, we realize that the, the Sabbath has changed in the New Testament. Well, we no longer keep the Sabbath, we keep the Lord's Day. But uh, the Scriptures speak very clearly, as we already said, that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God says that in the New Testament. And ye shall... Fear every man, his father and his mother. And, of course, we have that. Uh, we are refreshed in that again in Ephesians. And also in Colossians specifically. <clears throat> Let's talk about that word fear just a little bit. It is, uh, it is, uh, it simply means to revere. To uh, stand in awe of, to honor and respect. You know, it's uh, it's the same word that is used of God. Some we have a few uh, scriptures in Psalm one nineteen verse sixty three says this: "I am a companion of all them that fear Thee." And them that keep thy precepts. You know, Psalm 119, one of David's long psalms and many, many powerful truths in it. Here is one of them. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and them that keep thy precepts. Now, the uh, the word fear, we, we, you know, we get it in perspective a little as we think about God. We think about Him as the final authority. We think about Him as the one whom we finally ultimately will stand before and give an account. And we realize, like Jesus said, fear not man which can destroy, you know, the body, but fear God who can destroy, uh, cast uh, soul and, what do you say, soul and body into hell fire. Uh, so, we, we, we can understand fear when it comes to God. I, I trust we can. There's something in us that recognizes, you know, 
the awesome power power of God. And we don't have, I trust, we don't have a great difficulty fearing God. You know, all it takes is one powerful thunderstorm to come through and, and it kind of puts us in our place. And we realize that, you know, a lightning strike could kill us on the spot. You know, it could happen. And it does happen, you know, uh, to people. And we realize that God can, can, could just, you know, wipe us off the globe in a moment of time. And, and there's, we realize that. In our hearts, we realize that. And we, 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 uh, we have a fear of God. We, we, we hold God up here in a, in a place of high esteem and, and we don't meddle with Him. We don't, we don't, we don't say jokes about God. We don't say, make derogatory statements about God because we know God. We know God well enough that we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't, uh, I trust that that's where we're at anyhow. Uh, and so, that's the picture that we have in, in, in the context of uh, uh, this word fear. Just a couple of uh, another verse or two here. The proverb writer says, uh, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And one of the interesting things about both of these verses, uh, that David said, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and them that keep thy precepts. Uh, fear the Lord and depart from evil. That fear being established in our heart in its proper perspective always gives a response. Depart from evil. We fear God. We depart from evil. I fear God. I keep your precepts. If that fear is in its proper place, there is always a response. You can't have the fear of God without a response accordingly. Uh, if there's not a response, you don't have a proper fear of God. And uh, that's unfortunate because, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's a number of professing Christians that believe that, uh, you know, the Lord saves sinners. And so you go, living, you go on living in sin and the Lord's going to save me or, I, I, you know, I'm saved and, 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 and my sins are forgiven and I can live however it works out, and, and God's going to save me. And that's unfortunate because the fear of God in our hearts, when it's properly understood, there's always a response, uh, a response in, the, in, the, in uh, obedience and, uh, and walking, you know, the way God would, the way we understand God wanting us to walk. The Ecclesiastes writer kind of concludes his book with these words. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Uh, just summing up that, the, the, the thought of fear a bit, you know, in the context of God. We don't have any problem with it there. How quickly do we diminish it when it comes to having a fear, that same kind of fear, that same kind of attitude. Remember I said fear is, uh, obedience is first an attitude. To have that same kind of, uh, of uh, attitude regarding our parents. Now, did, does God mean that or doesn't he, you know? Does God expect when He uses a similar word that similar things happen in our hearts? Or is it just totally removed 
and it's just uh, it's up for our discretion as to how we want to relate to our parents. Think about it. I said, first of all, I said obedience is an attitude first. Let's look at some of the attitudes that we see in this word fear, which we've talked about it already. You know, it's an attitude of of reverence. In other words, holding in high esteem, valuing highly, uh, and of course then somewhat out of that uh, valuing highly comes an, uh, uh, an attitude of respect, which it's a little bit hard to, to separate those two, but uh, there's a sense in which respect is a response of, uh, of reverence, you might say. If, you have, if you're holding uh, God in a high place of high esteem in your life, you're going to respect God. You're going you're gonna to respond accordingly. If you hold your parents in a place of high esteem... You're going to respond accordingly. There's going to be responses that uh, indicate that high esteem that you have in, in your heart for your parents. And if we contrast a little bit, we might be able to, to see the, the, the uh, uh, get a clear picture. You know, to res- an attitude of respect. Think about an, what an attitude of disrespect looks like. You know, have you ever heard or have you ever made derogatory statements about your parents? You know, kind of, uh, the statements that, uh, you were, you were looking down on them. You were, uh, statements that had a touch of despite, despising them. You know, uh, your parents are supposed to be up here in your esteem, but you put them down here. And uh, and uh, maybe uh, and I, I I'm not even going to say it. I know one of the terms that used to be around for 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 parents or for dad especially back in in my childhood days. Very derogatory statements that that uh, about parents and not just statements, but maybe you just think them. Maybe you just think derogatory things about your parents. Maybe you just think you wish Dad would finally get with it once and understand this generation and get over his old-fashioned ideas. You know, maybe you just think those kind of things. Versus on the opposite side, you know, positive comments. We're comparing. We're comparing respect and disrespect. Positive comments. Uh... Comments that honor, that put, you know, your parents in their rightful place. Of course, the other, another aspect of it would be in, in the sense of respecting parents is to honor parents' wishes versus going directly against parents' wishes. That's respect versus disrespect. Honoring parents' wishes versus Going directly against it. Doing exactly what you know they don't want. Or not even going that far. But just pushing the line. And, and uh, An attitude of respect will try in every possible way 
to please parents versus, of course, the other would be in uh, the contrast, again, of disrespect, would be try in every possible way to have do things my own way. The contrast. <clears throat> our attitude... Our attitudes have everything to do with where we place our parents in our system of values. Are they up here? You know? Esteemed? Revered? I'm going to use these words because God said fear. I'm going to use them. I'm not going to apologize. I know there's, uh, you know, we're, we're not, parents aren't to be viewed as a God. And I know that, uh, you know, Jesus says that, um, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. Those things are on the Bible. We know that. But I'm not going to apologize for the fact that the Bible says that you're to fear your parents and uses the same word that it uses about fearing God. I'm not going to apologize about that. So, what is your attitude regarding your parents? Is it one of revering them? Of having them up here where they belong? In the posture of your heart? And esteeming them highly. And of course, if they're there, then your responses, your relating to them, your uh, attitudes, and, and I guess I'm going to say the, the attitude is where it all begins, but it will be uh, evident in your responses. It will be evident in your, uh, in your attitudes and all those kind of things. Are they up here? In your heart, or are they down here? Are your parents a blessing to you in your life? Do you see them that way? Or are they a bother? Are they someone you have to put up with? Or are they someone that you esteem and appreciate? <clears throat> are you delighted? To have them a part of your life. Or, like I said, do you just put up with them? Because you must. Obedience is an attitude, first of all. And as we go, let's remember our title. The value of valuing parents. As we go here, I think uh, it will come out clear why I'm saying that. The next point I'd like us to consider a bit is that, uh, that there is wisdom in obedience. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. There is wisdom in obedience. And we could use the word honor as well. They, they kind of go together. Uh, wisdom in honoring. But Proverbs chapter 4 is a powerful scripture. And uh, we'll try to... Uh, I'll start reading once. I'm not sure if I read the whole chapter or not. But the proverb writer here says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. 
He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom and with all thy getting get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. When thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, receive my sayings and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened or that word could mean restricted. You won't be hindered. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. I think I'll just stop there for the moment. We have here a father teaching his son who declares that his father had taught him also. And so we have, uh, you know, we have... Wisdom being passed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And you know, that is actually, uh, that is God's intent. That is God's design. God intended that fathers teach their sons. And that those sons become fathers who teach their sons. God never intended that we have to learn all of life's lessons by trial and error. By making all the mistakes ourselves and figuring out that it doesn't work. God intended that we learn from the previous generation. God intended that the previous generation uh, pass on the wisdom that they have learned and understood. And, and some of that has been passed on from the previous generation from them. And we can avoid a lot of mistakes and a lot of heartache if we can learn to learn from those who are older. And particularly that parents. Not just parents, but it is parents. <clears throat> we can avoid a lot of mistakes. And a lot of heartache. There is value in valuing parents. Like this scripture here says. Uh, I've uh, talked about it a little bit here. Let's see, it's verse uh, 12. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. When thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. I have, is, uh, the writer says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths, so that when you run, you can run successfully. As you run in the race of life, you don't have to stumble and fall and uh, be restricted by your own mistakes. But you can run, and you can run successfully, because you learned, you, you gleaned wisdom from uh, the previous generation and, and it, and it uh, gave you uh, what you needed to run effectively. <clears throat> God designed you to run your best when running in the wisdom of obedience. He designed you to run your best when you run in the wisdom of obedience. There is wisdom in obedience. I'd like to move on. There is perspective in obedience. We'd like to consider that for a moment. 
I'd like to turn to Psalm 73 and uh, consider the perspective that is given. Psalm 73, I'll read, I'll read some, make some comments, I'll begin in verse 1, Psalm 73, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my steps were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Maybe we could just stop there. I know I've I've referred to this scripture different times. It it is a powerful scripture. He, the psalm writer here, he was focusing on what seemed to be the prosperity of the wicked. And he acknowledges that as he focused on it, his feet almost slipped. He almost uh, uh, slipped from his place of integrity, of his place of faith, his trust, his confidence in God. Uh, he was looking on the, the, uh, the, the world around him and it almost trapped him. It almost pulled him into their uh, grip, into their uh, deceit. The, the deceitfulness of it almost got his heart. Of course, we uh, we could read down further. He gives more description to the to the wicked uh, and their attitudes. Uh, they are corrupt. He says in verse eight, they speak wickedly. Uh, they set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Uh, in verse eleven, they say, "How doth God know?" They mock, in other words, they mock at God. Verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And here he is again. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I shall offend against thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You know, he's, 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 He's wrestling in his mind with his whole thing. You know, it just seems like the wicked prosper. And I've been ch- ch- uh, disciplining myself. And I've, you know, I've been depriving myself of the pleasures of the wicked. And, and it seems like they're blessed. And my life seems pretty empty. And, and uh, he's, he's, his feet are almost slipping. And then, the next verse. Verse uh, 17. Until... I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. When he went into the sanctuary of God, he got perspective. He was, he was focusing on what seemed evident, what seemed most visible, what seemed most, you know, what seemed to be reality. But when he went into the house of God, into the presence of God, and from that standpoint, began to see, all of a sudden, the perspective got much bigger. And all of a sudden, he saw it properly. I don't know about you, but this is very, very much a picture, often, of, uh, of any one of us. 
you know, and it could be at different phases in our life. But it's definitely a, a picture of, I'm going to say, young, uh, young men, young ladies. When I say young, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say uh, from the 15 to 30 range, just for, just for uh, reference sake. It's not unusual in, somewhere in our life to, to we, we get, our, our perspective is small. We feel like we have an understanding. We feel like we have a grasp on things. We feel like we know what's going on. We know what the truth is and, 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 and we have it figured out. Until we talk to dad. And dad gives us more perspective. He gives us perspective that we never thought of. He has life's experiences under his belt that we don't have. It's intended to be that way. Obedience gives perspective. It's intended that a father gives perspective to his son. It's intended that a son gets perspective from his father. And gets a bigger picture. A better understanding of life. Of situations. Of circumstances. Of realities. It's intended to be that way. The value of valuing parents. You see where we're going? You see where God wants to take us? God intended that many blessings come into our lives by the simple fact of honoring and obeying and valuing our parents. And I can do that yet today. And I do endeavor to do that yet today, valuing my parents and honoring them in many ways that I, that I, uh, not that I, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, the perspective of obedience. I have a relative who in his youth made decisions. And I'm, Fairly confident I wasn't there. It all happened before I was born. But I'm fairly confident that uh, his father tried to give him perspective. And probably others too. But he made his decisions. And he, uh, and of course, it began a journey of life that today we can look back and we can, we can see the outcome of the journey. And I know that none of us... Uh, would look forward to having children who uh, eventually find themselves in divorce and eventually then remarriage and all those kind of things that uh, plague our world and our society. But I have a relative who made decisions and the consequences of those decisions are just that. Just that. I don't doubt that someone tried to give him perspective. But, he chose otherwise. You know, I don't know where we find ourselves. I don't know where you find yourself. 
But I, I had to think as I was pondering this matter of perspective. You know, it's, it's, uh, we need that perspective. We need the perspective of the long range effect of our decisions. We need that perspective. It seems so, it seems so small. It seems so little. It seems so insignificant to stand in the clothing store and to view those different shirts and trousers, jeans perhaps. And there's those common loose fit jeans that uh, are intended to, to weather the storms of life and, and give you good coverage. And then there's those kinds that are designed specifically to, to hug the body and, and, uh, and barely fit. And, and the same with shirts. You know, there's, there's decent shirts and there's all sorts of polo shirts and there's all sorts of, you know, it seems so insignificant to stand there and to look at those and to compare these and to make the decision toward the one that just kind of is more cool kind is more, you know, the in thing, kind of, you know, it seems insignificant. And, I, you know, we could say the same thing for, for you as sisters. It, it, it might seem so insignificant to stand in that clothing store and to, and to look at those sweaters, for, for example, and, and there's that, you know, that, that sweater, that's a sweater. It's made to, to be a sweater. And then there's those designer ones that are specific cuts and 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 shapes and and uh, ways they're put together to to uh, just beautify the flesh rather than conceal it. Always remember this: modesty is to conceal. The fashion designers of this world designed to reveal. Always remember that seems so simple to stand there. It seems so insignificant to make that decision and just pull that one off the shelf that just just kind of makes me look pretty neat, you know. Just, boy, boy, just look pretty good in that one. seems so insignificant. But if, in perspective, if we could see that a series of those kind of decisions over a period of 20 years, You know, just small ones. Not big, but small. A series of decisions. And 20, 30 years down the road, if we could see in perspective that one of our children or one of our grandchildren or several of them will find themselves in a very worldly, even, I'm going to say, worldly Christianity. Because all these painful things of unfaithfulness and divorce and da, 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 down the road you go are all a part of worldly Christianity. If we could see in perspective and know that out here that series of decisions is going to end there where one of my grandchildren or one of my children is going to have to suffer the painfulness of an unfaithful spouse or some of my grandchildren or great-grandchildren are going to be the victims of a broken home, if we could see that perspective, would we still make that same decision? Would we still make that same decision? You see, it seems like such a little decision. When my relative made his decision 
He chose a different church and the churches actually didn't look that terrible different at that point. But the difference today is extreme. All the way from left wing to right wing in one generation based on someone's decision. Obedience brings perspective. See, God has protection built into your life if you will give a a sense of honor and respect and obedience to your parents. Their perspective. Their perspective. You see, you're here, but if you want to make a decision there and you take your parents' wisdom and input, you're actually making the decision as if you were out here already because you have all that wisdom already at your fingertips to draw from and to use. Does it always come out perfectly when we do, you know? No. The Bible never predicted that you do everything just right and everything will end up just right. We realize life has challenges. I'm I'm not trying to give an unfair picture that uh, just because something went wrong, you know, you didn't do something right. I'm just saying there is wisdom in these scriptures. This truth is loaded. uh, This uh, scripture is loaded with truth if we will grab a hold of it and run with it. And there will be blessings that will be ours. So, there is perspective in obedience. And we need that perspective. We can benefit from that perspective that our parents have. And it can, it will be a blessing to us. Just, you know, again, the psalm writer, you know, it, it just, uh, or rather the, uh, the proverb writer, you know, we talked about the one father passing on to the next father, uh, to the son, and then, uh, you know, he himself having been taught. Wisdom, perspective being passed on. <clears throat> we need it. But now you're probably wondering, okay, am I ever on my own? Well, let me ask you this. Why do you want to be on your own? Why do you want to be on your own? Let me ask you this. Should you be on your own? Did God ever intend that we're out here on our own? Are we ever well enough situated that we don't need others to give us wisdom and perspective? You know, I have confidence that uh, I will be able to learn from others until the day that I die. I will be able to get perspective from others until the day that I die. 
<clears throat> you know, when a person marries, they leave father and mother. And the scripture is clear on that. They leave father and mother. And it, it's, uh, it, you know, and, and a new home is established. And, and two individuals begin to chart and, and, and uh, float their own ship. And I think we all understand, we recognize that there's a measure of, uh, you know, you can't go, you have to leave father and mother. You can't make your decisions uh, with your new wife uh, based on just exactly what your dad, you know, you know, what your dad would have done or what you know he would want you to do. There is a, a leaving and a cleaving that takes place. And uh, we, you know, we have to give room. We have, uh, you, you're your own. You have to, you have to, uh, 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 you can't be bound to the, to the parents anymore in that respect. However, <clears throat> let's think about it. Uh, there, the, the word honor, uh, honor your father and mother, I, I, I'm confident that God intends, in other words, to obey, to do it just exactly. You know, okay, a decision comes up and we need to do something. Uh, okay, now, what would dad do? What would dad want me to do? No. No. Okay, hon, what, what shall we do here, you know? And you might discuss, you might talk about, and you might, well, my, in this situation, I know my dad would have thought this way. My dad would have thought, you know, and you can glean perspective, but you need to make the decision, you know. We understand that. But then the, the whole thought of honoring, uh, we, we, never, uh, we never move away from the perspective of honoring, and, and we may pull the thought of obedience in here a little more yet, but let's, uh, you know, when a young couple leaves father and mother, they need to be free to order their own home and their lives. To honor your parents is to still hold their perspective in the equations as you make decisions. And I think that's right because they're, uh, you know, as you make decisions, their wisdom can help you. And if you hold that in perspective, you're making your decision over here. You have your parents perspective and wisdom and you and you're you're uh, you're it's still uh, you're benefiting from it. You you are on your own. You're making your own decisions, but those decisions reflect respect toward them and their perspective. You know, think about it this way: uh, we believe in obeying our governments in every way, as long as they do not violate our obedience to Christ. We believe that. <clears throat> you think there's any space for us to? Uh, to think more from the standpoint of our continuing some measure of obedience to what we know is that it would be the desire of our parents as long as it does not violate our obedience to Christ. Think there's any room for that kind of thought. That similarly, as we recognize a government is in place and we need to obey it, if they don't, if we don't obey it, they'll come after us with the big stick and make us obey. Now, our dads never do that and aren't supposed to do that. But isn't there a place for us to have a similar attitude about our parents, even after we're gone from home? And we recognize and we understand what our parents tried to pass on to us in values, in life. And rather than just discarding it as useless, as we make decisions to actually 
to actually walk more with an attitude that if it doesn't violate my relationship with Christ, then perhaps I could honor them in this given area or that given area. Just think about it. Not telling you that you need to. Just think about it. Again, I think it has a lot to do with attitude in that uh, if we want to get the blessing that God has for us, we will, uh, we will maintain an attitude of respect toward our parents and toward their, uh, the values and the, and the truths that they endeavor to pass on to us. If we just disregard it and throw it away, uh, we open ourselves up to uh, we 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 uh, we throw away a a perspective and and wisdom that God would want us to have if we just disregard and fi- and figure they're 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 their old fashioned I'm out of their home I can do what I want now and I if we take that kind of approach we miss a blessing I believe that God has for us. In, uh, but rather take the approach that, you know what, I might not do everything quite the way they did, but as I order my life and as I order my home where they feared God and where they taught me to fear God, I'm going to try to honor and respect them and order my life accordingly in the fear of God, you know, rather than uh, uh, just uh, disregarding it and, well, they're, they're old-fashioned, that was for them, but not for me. I think many a heartache could be spared if, if we were to take on just a bit more of that kind of posture of uh, respect and honor toward our parents. <clears throat> you know, the uh, in, in all reality, you know, there's there's times when as individuals, you know, like we said, you know, our we start our own homes, we make our own decisions, uh and we sometimes, you know, we make choices that our parents don't appreciate. And that does happen. It happened for me, especially when I uh, made the decision to leave the church that I was uh, born in, raised in. Uh, that was hard for my parents. I didn't always relate to them right. But God worked in my heart till I did relate to them right. I did make things right with them where I had been disrespectful where I did dishonor them and I I, I, I never forget you know a, a, a uh, an illustration or yeah a, a, a lesson that I learned on valuing my relationship with my parents got pretty thin for a while through all of that as we found our way into another church and the expression of our Christian faith differed just a bit in some things. But, and I didn't relate to them properly and all of that. <clears throat> Had to go back a few times and apologize. There was one point in my, and I've said this years ago, some of you will probably remember it, but there was one point, our relationship with Finn, we lived, we lived right next door to each other basically and, and uh, we just didn't have much we just didn't have hardly any contact because our relationship was pretty thin. 
pretty needy. And uh, I, uh, at one point, I'm not sure even where the idea, I suppose the Lord gave me the idea. But I was, I was a farmer, and I, I forget, we had a number of different things going on the farm there. And, and it was back in the days uh, where we were still at charity. And the ministry there at charity was overloaded, and they got a few brothers to work alongside of them a bit, and that meant various things. Uh, occasionally preaching, but I wasn't ordained, you know, and all this kind of thing. Just kind of a, a place given to to uh, relieve the load of the of the of the local ministry for a time until you know ordination could take place and more brothers could be put in place of responsibility. And so I was filling, uh, asked to f- fill a role like that, and and I I. Uh, <clears throat> I had, I had a good bit going. I had a farm and cattle and hogs and crop farming, all those kind of things. And and I'm not sure why I did it. But I went to my dad. I went over to my parents' house one evening, and I sat down with them, and I just said, you know, uh, my dad wasn't involved in the farm at that point anymore. Uh, and I just kind of laid the cards on the table. I said, Dad, I need some input. I need some advice. I said, I'm, I've got a hog operation here. That's almost a full-time job. I've got cattle and beef, uh, cattle and, uh, and crops, and that's, that's a lot. And I said, now I'm, I'm, I've been asked to uh, assist in the uh, pastoral work a bit and, and uh, different things like that, and, and occasionally it means traveling a little or something. And I, I just, just laid, and I, I knew that they didn't appreciate, especially not the fact of you don't preach unless you're ordained. That was their perspective. I respect that. Anyhow, I laid all. I just laid everything out on the table. I said, "This is where I'm at. Do you have any advice for me? Should I keep doing all these things? Should I get out of something? You know, what should I do?" He, he had sold me the farm, so I, 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 I. Anyhow, and of course he was honest with me. He told me. He said, "Well, we, you know, we don't believe you should be preaching unless you're ordained." I said, "Well." understand that. I, I respect you for that. I, I do understand that. I said, we do look at that just a bit differently, and we back and forth some. And uh, we talked a bit longer, and sitting around the table there, Mom and Dad and myself. And a while later, I, you know, I left, and I, I did I learn anything? Did I, did I get wisdom? Did he have a, a, an answer from heaven for me? No, he didn't. Uh, did I was I encouraged that I went? Sure, I was, and I felt like I'd done the right thing. Several days later, and it was just several days. I don't know, maybe it was even the next day. I, it was very, very soon. I was one evening. I was out in the barn. I was feeding the cattle, and I saw these lights coming in the driveway. It was dark, and uh, well, you know, who knows who's coming? And after a while, the barn door opens, and here comes my dad walking in through. Now, he hadn't been there in quite a while. And he comes in and he looks over the cattle and he comes over to where I was feeding and he makes some comments and and I saw he had some magazine in his hand, catalog of some kind. And he talks a bit and I finished what I was doing and we chatted a few minutes and then he opens this thing up and he says, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to buy a generator. He opens a book and he shows me several generators and says, which one do you think I ought to get? You know what happened. When I went to him with that humble, you know, honoring attitude, opened myself up to him, I need input, 
Do you have wisdom for me? Can you help me? The relationship just came back together so quickly. I, it, 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 it surprised me. It was, I'll never forget that as long as I live. And it's been, it's been good ever since. And I know, I know that, uh, I understand my parents thinking they would still probably wish I was in their church. But I also know that I've been able to demonstrate to them that I value what they taught me. And I've endeavored to pass it on to the next generation. And I know from that standpoint, I don't know if they would ever tell me or not, but I know they appreciate it. I know they appreciate the uh, values that and the godliness that we've endeavored to maintain. <clears throat> so there is value in valuing parents. I believe God intends that we, uh, that parents are an asset in our lives, that there's something of great worth, and that it can be a tremendous blessing to us if we will respond rightly to it. They are of great worth. They are of great value. Their, their perspective, their wisdom, their input. Can we always follow it to the T? Are we intended to always follow it to the T? I don't think so. But we can, we can honor. We can show esteem. We can communicate respect. We can... Uh, we can be there. We can do that. <clears throat> the value of valuing parents. I hope. I hope that uh, you could be encouraged with that. I hope that you can see the blessing in it. I hope that you can realize that. Uh, why I said that. Uh, if we see the verses, children obey your parents. If we see it as a law, and I somehow have to do it, that we miss the blessing. That there's a there's a real jewel, real blessing tucked away in this truth. And if we if we uh, can engage our heart in it, it will uh, it will come back to bless us many times over. I don't know if I need to say this or not, but I think we all know that this scripture is given to us in the context of godly settings. And it, it's beautiful in godly settings. What do you do in situations where there's ungodly parents? And, and things get more complicated, obviously, but honor is, you can honor anyone. You can honor an ungodly king. You can honor an ungodly parent. One of the things that I think it's well to say is that, you know, there are those even rare occasions where parents will abuse their children. And I would like to say that a child should never sit quietly for abuse that is going on. Find someone. Talk to someone. Something's happening that doesn't feel right with dad or mom or whatever. Talk to someone. And open your heart. It's not wrong to squeal on dad if dad is misbehaving. And those things do happen in our world. <clears throat> but um, that aside, get the blessing. Get the blessing. <clears throat>
Shall we pray? Maybe we could stand if we're able. Father, thank you again for this moment of time where we have been able to reflect upon your word. I ask again, Father, I thank you first of all that your word does give us clear direction in so many areas. And Father, we want to live in that reality. Father, just uh, grant us, Lord, to be humble and to be able to relate to our parents in a godly way. Father, I pray, pray for each one present here as we all come from different situations and, and uh, perhaps we have probably some who even, maybe this message was a bit painful because of the difficult relationship they may find themselves in. I just pray, Father, that special grace would be given to anyone who would find themselves in a situation with a perhaps ungodly parent or a parent that is very difficult to relate to. Lord, would you, would you pour in the oil and the wine and bring healing? Lord, we do not desire to add to anyone's pain or affliction. But, Lord, may we, may we, uh, may we see the truth, the blessing, the promise that these scriptures contain. May we embrace them. May we run unhindered. Lord, by our own passions, because we have gleaned wisdom and perspective and understanding and are able to run. Father, again, just uh, commit this time to you. Be with us. Keep us. Guide us. Bless us. Pour out your Spirit upon us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.